0: Hello, you are listening to the OmniTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with Microsoft, the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Takeoff, Cezle, and new for this week,
1: Home Delivery World. Oh, that's quite to read, Ann. All right. Yes.
0: Uh, the OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter but most importantly, a little happier each week, too. Today is July 7th, 2022. I'm your host, Anne Mazinga.
1: And I'm Chris Walton.
0: And we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of omnichannel retailing. Chris, did you like Home Delivery?
1: Home Delivery World. Yeah, it's like, where's Michael Buffer when I need him? I have but, no idea who that is. But yeah, but I'm excited. Are you excited?
0: Yeah, I mean, West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my We're going to Philadelphia. Uh, who
1: is that? Who's Fresh Prince. Oh, Fresh Prince. Right, right, right. rap right, at the right. beginning? Are, are, he comes
0: from West Philadelphia to Bel Air. Yeah.
1: Are we still allowed to reference him? I don't know. Like, what's the what's the, what's the the ruling oh, on that um, post-Oscar slap? I don't
0: know. I think, I mean, I think it's
1: okay now. Yeah, yeah.
0: especially Fresh nostalgic days, days
1: too oh, yeah God, I don't know yeah okay. But Ann, I'm pumped. I mean, here we come. You know, I see. I think more Rocky theme, like da 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 Okay. Da-da-na. Okay. Oh, you want me to stop, don't you? No, no that's no, fine. No. I
0: I just yeah, I didn't go to Rocky. Uh, I went to Fresh Prince. I think
1: I think Rocky's I more synonymous with uh, Philadelphia. Depends on who you're talking. The Liberty to. Bell, the whole nine yards. Last time I was there, I was ten years old. But I'm pumped because this is without a doubt the summer event in the retail logistics world, Ann. Yes. There's going to be like five thousand people there. I think some three hundred speakers, three hundred exhibitors, and we're going to be moderating sessions there too. Oh yeah got a panel we're deciding our pick of the litter in terms of we're what we want mod- right to moderate on yep. deliberating on that question but yeah i'm pretty pumped the conference is from the 31st of august to september 1st so two days it takes place in the philadelphia convention center yeah and uh the coolest part and what it's free to register no way, it costs nothing to register so for those of you that are interested in attending can get out to philadelphia i know it's a pretty close you know, train ride or drive from New York, Washington, D.C., Jersey. Just visit www.terrapin.com forward slash home delivery. Mm-hmm. That's Terrapin, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N-N.com forward slash home delivery. And you can register for free. It's that easy. But, Anne, yeah. before we get to the headlines today, yeah, I think people inquiring minds want to know who won the Iron oh. Chef Mazinga match over this 4th of July holiday weekend.
0: Uh, well, we did not.
1: We, not surprised. We can not second gonna lie place. Our second flare place.
0: our flair was good. We had good we made pork uh, carnitas tacos with blue corn chips and I don't know, Mr. Omni um, Talk made that like weird strawberry jalapeno <laughs> strawberry. like strawberry s- chutney. salsa <laughs> thing. <laughs> that was not a good idea. It turned out to, to really be our, our the end for us. But uh my brother and sister in law we had one person do a crunch wrap. Which um, I mean, how can you it. beat a crunch killed wrap? It. Yeah. But actually, the winner was uh, my brother and his wife, and avid listeners Thomas and James, who are avid AmiTalk listeners. They they're quoting the AmiTalk podcast at while they're winning their Fourth of July. That's awesome. For taking home the pork belly, coleslaw, and Ooh. sriracha mayo Ooh. on sourdough sliders. Oh
1: wow, sourdough! That sounds good. How many people were in this competition when you placed second? It was three. Three? Okay. <laughs> just wanted to make sure that we gave... We just con- say
0: middle of the road. It's our
1: job, Ann, at OmniTalk, to always provide the context of the stories that we're sharing. So yeah, I thought that was an important tidbit.
0: Yeah, it is. Okay. It's important. Yeah. Okay, so... I want to get to some reviews from other people Me other too. than my, my young nephews. But This um, might
1: be my favorite review of all time, sure, actually. For sure, for
0: sure. So today's review comes from CLW2006. And you know what they said, Chris?
1: I do, but yeah, they, why did you share it? They gave us it? five
0: stars. <laughs> they called us, which might be the best moniker ever, the Dose Equis of retail Podcast. They said, I don't always listen to retail podcasts, but when I do, I prefer Omni." I'm putting that
1: out on social media today. Yeah. For sure.
0: Absolutely. That might be one of my absolute It's so
1: good. It's so good.
0: But just a reminder, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Heart the podcast if you're on Spotify, Google, Amazon Music. And please follow and subscribe the podcast, y'all, so we can keep making that content for you. And we will just read it aloud one day all the listeners to hear
1: that's right thanks to clw 2006 for that great review and like we said we'll read them each and every week just keep them coming they mean a lot to us all right and let's get to the headlines in today's fast five we've got news on tiktok reportedly shutting down its live stream shopping efforts in the uk and the u.s an important follow-up to the bed bath and beyond story that we talked about last week this one's really interesting juicy juicy as hell Ulta popping up inside the allure soho store Amazon's recent investment in Grubhub. But first, we're gonna take off with big news out of Kohl's this past week, which again, Anne, leading off with Kohl's and Bed Bath & Beyond two weeks in a row, what is wrong with this world?
0: I don't know, I hope we can retain the listener's attention. That's right, Chris, I know you're disappointed to find this out, but Kohl's is no longer for sale. Uh, In what (laughs) was a many months long process that saw Kohl's engage with as many as 25 companies, According to chain storage and which saw the franchise group emerge as the most attractive bidder most recently at sixty dollars per share, all deals are now off all off the off the table, table. cole 's board chair Pete Bonaparte said this about the deal mm-hmm. he said quote, despite a concerted effort on both sides, the current financing and retail environment created significant obstacles to reaching an acceptable and fully ex- ex- executable i can 't even say executable that word. executable yes, agreement. I'll help you out jeez. Uh, he then went on to add that Kohl's, quote, is a financially strong company that generates substantial free cash flow and has a clear plan to enhance its competitive position and improve performance over the long term, end quote. Chris, this is... This is so I can't even read it. It's I know, so right? Bad. Yeah, yeah, right. But what do you think about this? <laughs>
1: it's, yeah, we're warming up vocally here this morning. I just think the whole thing smells off to me at this point. Like, like
0: what about? Like what is sticking out?
1: Like what sticks out to me the most is this part where he quotes a clear plan. Okay. Which I think is just absolute hogwash. Because if you remember, for those of those loyal listeners out there, you remember that this strategic plan is essentially composed of three main parts. Mm-hmm. And to remind those, uh, those listeners of what those are, one is the focus on the assortment on the healthy and active lifestyle, which, as we've said many Duh. times, who doesn't do that? Mm-hmm. And why does Coles have the right to win that? Quite honestly, it doesn't. Two is the expanding the Sephora partnership. Okay, I get it, but I don't see a doubling in your share price from that over the long haul. I don't even see really that much of an accretive increase in your share price over the long haul. No, it's another company. Right. And yeah, it, it tells you something else too. Right. Great point. But my favorite part in this whole strategy is that they're going to build out 100 smaller format stores. Which, fun fact, because I've been trying to get an answer to, from Coles on this, Ann, is that they said they've already tested the small format in 20 stores mm-hmm. and plan to roll out just four more this year. Which smells really off to me, too. Because, like, okay, if you've tested it in 20 stores, which, by the way, I can't get a definitive answer from them on where those 20 stores are, and they've never been reported on by anyone. So, yeah. So like, how does that work that you've done 20, you're gonna roll out a hundred, but you're only gonna do four this year. Something is off, something is way off. And for anyone listening that is at Kohl's that maybe can shed some light on this, message us on LinkedIn, because I'm really interested to hear what's going on here. I'm trying to get answers from Kohl's directly. I'm not getting them in the way that I want. But yeah, something, <laughs> something. I'm not, I mean, they're not, they're, they're just sending me like, here's what we're doing next. But I'm like, I wanna know what these 20 stores are. How much are you learning from them? Where are they? I want to go visit one of them if possible to put my own assessment on this strategy because honestly who needs a smaller Kohl's and that, that's my point. That's why this smells off.
0: I don't know. See, I disagree with you. I think oh, really? that I think that based on what we're hearing, some of the strategies that we're hearing coming out of Kohl's right now is like sell off and do lease buybacks and like mm-hmm. all these things like I I think my biggest problem with this is that none of the moves they're making are trying to make Kohl's a better retailer. They're not like making Kohl's focus on having a better point of view on the product selections, like even bringing a curbing inventory. Like you don't need the Kohl's store is like exploding with stuff. Like just figure out what your reasons are that people are coming to the store and provide that footprint that includes those things. And I don't think it needs to be a giant Kohl's box anymore. And I think that if you then... Can't I mean, maybe I'm oversimplifying this. I I definitely could be, but if you could consolidate the space that a Coles takes up. And then sell off like sell the second floor of the right. kohl's do you need two stories of a kohl's store i don't know and what could you get if what could you be putting back into the company if you were selling off some of those assets completely
1: i get your point there like okay yeah i could maybe buy into the sale leaseback argument like you know you know we're going to sell the inventory the the store assets that we have because over time we're going to get into smaller stores but net-net, that means you're a less valuable company operating smaller stores and more of them, which, right. which if you had 25 offers on the table would not be the best move in the interest of shareholders for the long term. Mm-hmm. I thought of an analogy that I want to use here to, oh, that God. I think totally encapsulates my feelings on this, and it's a Seinfeld reference, Anne. Of course. There was a great Seinfeld episode where Elaine is dating this guy, and they both happen to think they're ethnic, and then they find out at the end of the episode that they're both white. And they're like, oh... So we're just a couple of white people. That's what I feel after this story. It's like it's like Coles. What just you're just Coles again. Like yeah. they, you're just you're just what I thought you were from the beginning. This was a lot of song and dance, sound and fury, signifying nothing. I feel like exactly like Elaine at the end of that episode. That's just hmm. it's just so disheartening in a lot of ways. I'm
0: gonna have to think about that analogy a little. It's, bit. It's but...
1: actually a perfect analogy. It's like oh, okay, we're, we're not anything that great to write home about. But anyway, all right, let's keep moving to, to headline number two. This is an interesting point we left out of discussion last week with Bed Bath & Beyond. Okay. And it was brought to Light Am by the Wall Street Journal this week that said that Bed Bath & Beyond is burning through its cash reserves. Here are the key points from the article. The retailer ended May with roughly $100 million in cash after burning through more than $300 million of its reserves and borrowing $200 million from its credit line. Mm-hmm. Second point, it is working with advisors, specifically the Berkeley Research Group, on cash management and has prioritized trying to find a buyer for its buy-by-baby business. Makes sense. The third point, which is the key point that puts a new spin on Mark Tritton's departure as CEO, in my opinion, is that the Bed Bath & Beyond board also authorized in November 2019 spending $1 billion on a three-year share repurchase plan, which the company completed or is on schedule to complete a year ahead of plan. For context, Bed Bath & Beyond spent $600 million on buybacks last fiscal year and another $43 million in the most recent quarter when its losses started to balloon saying in as recently as November 21 that it planned to complete the share repurchase in full in this fiscal 2022 year. And I'm curious, does this shed any new light on things for you or or raise any new questions in your mind?
0: I don't understand this at all, me like neither. for multiple reasons. I mean, I think listeners, you might have to rewind 10 seconds to just play through and understand the points that are happening here. And and I encourage you to dig in. What was the you found? Oh, that was for Coles. There was another um, interview that you listened to. But the Wall Street Journal does a really good job of breaking this down. But I think what I take away from this, the key points for me are they have $100 million left in cash reserves. And if you recall, I'm going to go back to that Ryan Cohen letter. Like, right, that's. That's three salaries of the C-suite. So what's happening there? Like, what's, what changes are being made at Bed Bath & Beyond here? They paid Mark Tritton $27 million, just him, in the last two years since they started this the buybacks and everything. And then I, I think the other part is, even if they do sell Bye Bye Baby, they which according to Mr. Chucumba... Of loop capital markets, <laughs> who's quoted in the article, yeah. the Bye Bye baby sale is only worth like eight hundred million dollars. And then Bed Bath and Beyond is saying, "Oh yeah, we reduced our expenses by a hundred million dollars." Even if they they do that, I don't understand how the whole thing pencils. Like how how Bed Bath and Beyond can stay afloat with the stock buybacks, with the you know the the stock decreasing, 100%. like with nobody coming to the store. Like how is this all? Fun- how is this still a functioning
1: yeah and i'm gonna and i totally agree with you number one and i love that you dropped mr Chakumba because i'm gonna actually drop him as well in a quote but like i'm gonna take what you just said and raise the ante on this okay okay because i mean i remember reading at the time too i was like wait what what are they doing and i can't believe i forgot this last week in the context of our conversation but it's why i love what we do because we get to talk about this as much as we want honestly but you know i was like why return money to shareholders in the midst of a turnaround Mm -hmm. you're not in a good spot right so to me, it either smacks of hubris, like supreme overconfidence in your abilities as an executive team and as a board or well, at, at, oh, go ahead. I was,
0: they're, they're paying them. Like they, right. uh, in they addition have that to intelligence, intelligence, paying us yeah. and then
1: in addition to potentially making our options worth more value yeah. for basically deciding to put our money there versus putting in the company to turn it around, which I think is interesting, which is means to me, so at best hubris, but at worst, I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at a class action lawsuit on behalf of shill shareholders given this at some point. Because if I was a shareholder, oh. I would want answers. Yeah. And especially if I'm an employee of Bed Bath & Beyond, because the only people, like I said, the only people that win from a move like that is the C-suite and the short-term investors. And you don't believe me, let's go back to Mr. Chikumba. Yeah. He said, for the Wall Street Journal, and I quote, it's unusual for a company in the middle of a turnaround that isn't going well to buy back stock that aggressively. Here, here, in my opinion.
0: Well, let's see what happens. I'm I'm excited. I'm and it's going to be fun as hell to watch. Yeah, again. especially yeah. like
1: I want to see two na- stories together again.
0: Yeah, I want to see another letter from Ryan Cohen and see what he cuz he's the 10% shareholder or something, right? It's like so he's going to definitely if anyone's leading that class action lawsuit, I have a feeling he might be.
1: Yeah, maybe, top yeah, of depending that list. on when he did it. Yeah. Um that's interesting too. I don't have a Seinfeld analogy for this one yet, oh, so I'm going to have to come shoot. up with that later. Shoot. Stay tuned, friends.
0: All right, let's move on to headline number 3. So TikTok has reportedly halted its live e-commerce tick TikTok Shop Initiative in the United States and the UK. According to the Financial Times and TechCrunch, after launching TikTok Shop in the UK last year, the effort has failed to gain traction. People familiar with the matter told the Financial Times that the expansion plans have been abandoned after influencers dropped out of the project in the UK and the venture struggled again to gain traction with users. A TikTok employee told the Financial Times that general consumer awareness and adoption is still quite low in the UK as many TikTok Shop live That's the streams hardest thing to say yes, of all time achieved poor sales despite efforts to encourage brands and influencers to sell through the app Chris Yes This is also the AM put you on the spot question of
1: the week <laughs> Of course so it is yes
0: They want me to say TikTok Shop about 15 TikTok more shop. times TikTok Shop But they also want to know Here's what they had to say: We're right. un- we're unclear where any confidence to take TikTok Shop to the U.S. after its struggles so far in the U.K. would come from. So, given what we know about the typical TikTok user and how they engage with content, what do you think is a better way for CPG brands to generate commerce on TikTok than this QVC-style live stream mechanism?
1: Oh man, that's such a good question. Such a good question, especially given the content that we've been focused on here at Omni Talk, which has all been about live streaming and shopping shoppable video of late. We've done as much content on that as anyone. My first take, though, too, before I get to that question, my first take yeah. is I'm a little skeptical of this article. Like, I'm okay. a little skeptical. The journalism's honestly a little light on this, and Ooh, I'm curious shots fired I, to yeah, Financial
0: and Times and tech. I
1: though. mean, it is. Like, I'm a little curious if they're following the headline here, but you know, I don't know. But so let's take it at face value. Okay. Then now let's answer the question. So, you know, to me, my advice to brands would be this would be the thing that's happened with this whole conversation we talked about a lot is live streaming and shoppable video have been confused and brought in together as one topic Mm -hmm. whereas I don't think in the American market and probably in the UK market too I don't think it's gonna be as much about live streaming Mm -hmm. like I don't think it's gonna be as much as about QVC and because there's so many dynamics that are different from us versus the Asian market and so my advice would be take a page out of Vincent Yang a fireworks book as a CPG and create just great video content mm-hmm. make the video content shoppable it doesn't have to be live it can play in live time when you visit the cpg website or the retailer's website or whatever mm-hmm. and then the cool thing about that is that's where you tr- where you want your traffic to go and it's very easy to then farm that out to all of the different social media platforms that are out there So it's essentially doing the same thing, but it captures the audience in a different way. It's the eyeballs to your site in a different way. And I think that just is the right approach versus trying to do something like, like actual QVC style live streams in these platforms. It just doesn't make sense. That's step one. If you want to go to that later, that you can. But again, I would argue you should do that from your own site and then do like almost like simulcast it or rebroadcast it through these social media platforms to get the continued engagement. But what do you think? You're you're much more the aficionado on this subject than I am.
0: Well, I think it's important to call out again that, you know, in the US, we use social for a different purpose right. than we do than they do in Asian markets, especially in China and the success that they're seeing there. And I think that it's important as you're calling out for it's still there's still a need for these social channels, but we interviewed Jeff Lucas from Firework last week. And one of the things he was saying, you know, the average consumer spends one point four seconds on that content. Like they're not spending. You need more engagement. You need deeper engagement with the product for people to for this, like for live shopping to take off. So I think that the value to answer any a question, the value, like you said, is to host the content on the retailer CPG site. It gives it a longer lifespan. I mean, that was one of the biggest complaints, like th- it hasn't drawn audiences. They haven't seen the numbers take off right. from this, but they're not going to. Like, right. it's just no, not the it's, the, not, the, it's not the setting for that. You still need the social networks to help drive traffic to the sites or, you know, to take repurposed content from the content that you have on your own site. But ultimately if you want that good shopping experience, you ha- you have the confidence in that in what you're buying is, you know, is verified, it's authentic product, you have a much better experience doing that on the retailers or CPG's website. And I think that's really the focus here. It does not need to be done in the social shopping platform which i'll admit we might have to eat crow on that because i remember when like instagram shops facebook shops tiktok shops everything was coming out we're like this is the next big thing this is exactly how it's going to go i don't know that we're going to see that that's going to transpire successfully or that's going to scale successfully in the us market yeah i
1: think that's the important thing is that the nuance matters which is what i kind of joked about in the beginning is the context is important here like Mm -hmm. We we got to be careful the terms that we use in these discussions, which is why I fought hard for omni-channel retailing for so many years. Like the key thing here is shoppable video first and foremost. Yep. Right. Then that's that's the important thing. You want to do a live stream? Do it. Do it on your own website because a live stream someone has to engage with. Mm -hmm. They have to schedule the time to be there at that time for that extended period of time. Right. Do it on your website. Let it live organically, however you want through whatever platform. And that's the key to me here, Mm -hmm. which you know I don't think a lot of people understood. And I think, honestly, that could still be wrong to some degree too, but I think it's what we've learned through our conversations with the people that really get this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ann headline number four is fascinating to me. Is it though? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You've been known to surprise me a lot. So Ulta Beauty is now part of the Allure pop-up experience in New York City. For those Omnitalk listeners that may not be as in the know in the pop-up beauty scene as our very own Anne Mazinga, Allure, 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 Allure. Allure. is a store in Soho developed in partnership between Allure publisher Condé Nast and the retail media company Store Group. And I hope I'm saying that right because it has a little carrot over the O, which I've never actually seen really written in the English language, and I don't know how to pronounce that. So apologies if I did not say that correctly. According to Chain Storage, the store is set to serve as a physical extension of the Allure Beauty magazine brand. The aforementioned Ulta Beauty pop-up inside of Allure will showcase a curated assortment of, quote, coveted brands, that will be refreshed monthly and complemented by experiential programming and events, and they plan for it to be open from July through September. Now, Anne, yes, I think the reason you were giving me some grief is you fought really hard for this story, and mm-hmm. what was quite honestly a very shortened retail news week, yes. as some of you listeners might be able to tell. Why was that?
0: Okay, because I love this opportunity for both Allure and Ulta, but specifically Ulta. I know it's easy to read this headline and be like, ugh, another beauty pop-up, who cares? Like, no big <laughs> deal. But I think what this shows, and what we need to be paying attention to here, is that Ulta is testing small formats with a strong point of view. Hint, hint, Coles. like This is what I was trying yeah, to get at with target Kohl's. Too, target, right? yeah. But they're doing this with smart partners. Ulta, mm-hmm. the biggest beauty retailer in the U.S. I think that what the next steps for this could bring you know depending on the success of this pilot would be extending beyond the media outlets so it's starting to look at you know taking and creating a store of all Alta products based on like a beauty influencers picks based on you know online bringing online affiliate marketing like into the physical world and i think that this they're already doing this online they're doing this in stores i think that this could just be a nice extension of of that experience and really teach Alta how to partner and do small format like even pop-up stores in a really great concept and format.
1: So Mike so basically this is like the the testing ground for Alta to do micro implementations throughout the country. Right. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Well, I didn't thought about that. I I just I don't I'm just not buying it that much. Like I think you're I think we're oversubscribing to this. I mean to me, it feels like just so much of the same stories we've railed upon for the last five years at OmniTalk, Talk. These ideas that are essentially like marketing concepts that have no chance of seeing the light in the day. They're always in so. They seem like they're always in Soho. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a lot of ways, it feels like story of a different color to me, in my opinion. Okay. But you know, but if it is, it going to hit mass? You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it hits through social media, a lot, Instagram and TikTok, the mass market. But I don't think there's any way this becomes like a repeatable physical concept over time but may, i mean maybe maybe i'm i give you the last word here but maybe prove me wrong because maybe there's a way that they can learn how to do smaller installations throughout the country in a scalable way through this idea but i, I don't think know. the hardest, last word i think
0: the hardest part of this is how to do it in a physical setting like they they're already able to do this online they're running affiliate programs right. they're running like that is all like functioning i think now it's figuring out like you take a huge organization like Alta and figure out how to work more nimbly how to do this and execute what they're seeing success with online allure has been having tons of success across multiple retailers with their beauty programming, which they brought into the physical, that now I think it's time for the team at Alta to figure out how to get flexible, but how to execute this. Which I would go. I mean, I would go to a destination if one of the the influencers that I follow on TikTok or on Instagram was doing, you know, they yeah, have their collection right, local, of products. Yeah. Like it would draw me into the store yeah, to be able sure. to at least test them out. And odds are, once you get me there, I'm going to buy it. So I think it's important for the Alta team to really be thinking how to work in this way. All right. All right, let's go to headline number five. This one's juicy. Yes. So Amazon has struck an investment deal with Grubhub. So according to Bloomberg yesterday morning, Amazon will receive options for a 2% stake in Grubhub and will have the opportunity to increase their holding to 15%. Amazon's stake is in the form of warrants, which will vest depending on how well the partnership performs and how many new customers it attracts. The stake is also part of a partnership where Amazon will offer U.S. Prime members a one-year membership to the food delivery service. Grubhub's parent company, JustEatTakeaway.com, also said in a statement on Wednesday, not surprisingly, as a result of this news, Just Eat's stock jumped as much as 20%. Chris, what do you think about this
1: one? Yeah, I mean, aside from getting like a 80s flashback warrant, like remember the band Warrant? I always love, whenever I see mm. Amazon in their what do war- they think? I don't remember though. I can't remember. Uh. They're not cherry pie, are they? I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to look that up. Yeah. We'll look okay. that up. You can start, one of us will start looking it up as we're doing this. But random. Okay. <laughs> but there, I don't know. Essentially, I've got two takeaways on this one, Ann. Okay. First of all, it shows me, as we've long said on this show, that the food, and you brought this up, actually. I, I give you credit for for bringing this idea to the fore. The food delivery business is a different hook than the standard same-day delivery options a la Instacart, Grubhub, you know, heck, even Amazon is yeah. known for. So I think that's one thing that it kind of validates that strategic hypothesis to me. Um, and my second point is I think it's a great move for Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, going off of, now I did some more math here. This is a math-heavy show, and Yes. Uh, going off Grubhub's previous valuation, which was, which was, at the time, $7 billion is probably less now given the recent state of the economy and their business. A 2% stake essentially equates to a $140 million option. That's already gained 20% in value, roughly, give or take. So there's there's no risk here at all. Right. And they can only have the option to escalate that bet should they want to. So I don't know, will it work, will it hold? I don't know. But getting Grubhub with Prime, that's the most important point here. Yes. That is an incredibly compelling hook. Kudos to Jamil Ghani again, For his work on this, I know he's been on social media talking about it, like our friend at Amazon. Like, good move, man. Like, free free restaurant delivery with my Prime membership? Sign me up. I can't think of a better marketing hook, honestly.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the it's it's going to be interesting here where they're saying like, "Okay, so it's, you know, we're going to see how this performs. See how many members you get. Okay, you have 150 million Prime subscribers that all have the ability to get a free Grubhub membership. And once they're hooked on that, once they start doing that, my uh, my guess is they're going to like doing that. They're going to continue to do it. It's better for it's great for Amazon. It's great for Grubhub. It's great for the restaurants that are going to be participating in this, too. But the things I'm going to be watching out for are, one, how much first-party data is going to be shared between the two. Because I think that when you start to think about what people are, if mm. any, mm. what people are ordering from Amazon and what people are ordering ordering from restaurant yeah. delivery and like how that starts to kind of coalesce through the years.
1: Yeah, Because they're kind of enemies, too. This is like a frenemies well, deal. That's Amazon a good point. had yeah. Amazon restaurants. Right.
0: They pulled it down because mm-hmm. it wasn't successful. But I think that it's still, you know, this is w- I want to see, like, how those two worlds kind of collide. But then the other thing I'm wondering is if any Amazon logistics services will be brought into this, like to help with Grubhub's routing, to help with other areas, if we're going to start to see any changes to that part of the business as time goes on and they're Potential stake rises in Grubhub, but
1: yeah, I think it's a good point. I think mean, um, it's a good point. Did you have it? Do you have an answer on the warrant thing?
0: Yeah, I do. They had a. It was a band from the '80s, and they had their hit song was Heaven.
1: Heaven. Okay, I can't remember that song off it's the top of my head. It's a power ballad. Of course, it is.
0: Yeah. Um. Geez, I don't even. I'm trying to think of like. How that goes. And I don't I know either, so but somebody
1: out there will remember it and yes. put the words in social media for us so that we can get that recall going.
0: Yes, all right, let's get to the lightning round, Chris. Lululemon launched their hike collection this week, including your favorite article of clothing, the Ripstop pant, which they have Luluified to sound much better and to be able to sell for much more money, called <laughs> abrasion-resistant oh, right. pants. Are you up for expanding your pant collection and trying them?
1: You know me so well, Ann. It's kind of creepy because like, this is actually what gets me interested in this idea. I know. Like the, the hiking so pant gross. itself as like a casual pant. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a khaki, kind of not. Yeah. Could double as that if it's very done very well. Yes, 100%. I'm all in on trying this. 100%. All right, Prime Day is next Tuesday, and got your eye on anything for you or Mister Omni? Oh yeah,
0: a pickleball paddle set. We started playing what? pickleball last weekend at my parents' for Fourth of July, and it is intense. You know how competitive I am. Yeah, right. Oh my you god. You want your own paddleball set though? that oh, means you have yeah. to have a
1: court that you're like yeah, the routinely tennis courts, going to the local.
0: I mean, it's this thing is taking the nation and like tennis right. courts actually. My husband went to Dick's Sporting Goods yesterday, and the the employee at Dick's Sporting Goods told him that it used to have all racquetball, four aisles of stuff racquetball stuff. That's now all pickleball. And do you know how much a pickleball paddle costs?
1: I don't actually know how much. It's a like it's costs. like
0: seventy dollars and higher. <laughs> These are like tennis rackets, so I'm going to be looking for a Prime Day deal. For
1: What's those? with the difficult phrases of this podcast? Pickleball paddle, like come on. <laughs> I don't know. Like. Uh, but also, I'm, I'm, I'm calling to mind the words of the immortal chunk from Goonies. Nerd alert. All right. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, Chris. Uh, Hermes is bringing its pop-up gym experience to the Hollywood Athletic Club this summer featuring kickboxing with bracelets classes and Hermes scarf-covered boxing bags. Uh, which Hollywood personality would you most want to take a kickboxing class with, Chris?
1: Oh, God, easy. Minka Kelly. Oh, oh yeah make it kelly for sure for okay. sure i don't know who i'd want to beat up the most i think that's where you're going with you that don't... question but oh
0: i wasn't i was oh, just, like, just like you want to go most... like hey you want to go take a kickboxing class with bracelets on that would, where be, that would be that would be thousands my answer of dollars
1: then. of scarves definitively like all it's right. her and then everyone else has stepped down <laughs> all right and last question jello skin is the latest viral trend taking mm-hmm. over tiktok from south korean beauty influencer ava lee on a scale of lime green to jello pudding pop, where would you say you fall? Oh, the jello cake.
0: It's my favorite cake of all time. <laughs> What's a jello cake? It's a regular cake of like that you stick a fork in okay. and then you pour the jello mixture and hot water on the cake. And then you cover it in cool whip and it is amazing.
1: Oh my god. You don't like gravy but
0: you like that? Oh, I don't love my, it. God, my grandma used to make it. It's like it's so good. I'll make it and you can try it. It's like very popular around the 4th of July. She always used to make it for 4th of July. Is that a
1: Minnesota thing? Probably. Yeah, it probably. I is. actually
0: know. It's called the Jell-O poke cake. It actually has a name. It's on the Jell-O box.
1: The Jell-O what? Poke cake. Poke P O K E. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sure. All right. Thank you for that. Thank you for that random walk through culinary history. Yeah. Uh, much appreciated. All right. All right. That wraps us up. Happy birthday today to Bill Hader, Iggy Azalea, and the man who definitely will find you if you piss him off, Liam Neeson. Oh
0: yes, he will. Yeah. Token.
1: You a big fan of Liam Neeson? I just
0: liked that movie. That movie is pretty yeah. good. Yeah.
1: Token. <laughs> Whoa, we've lost it. All right, remember if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And we try really hard to make it fit all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omniTalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. YouTube, and come join us at Home Delivery World. Again, you can register for free at www.terrapin.com forward slash Home World. And of course, finally, as always, be careful out there.
0: The Tech Fast Five is a Microsoft-sponsored podcast. Microsoft Cloud for Retail connects your customers, your people, and your data across the shopper journey, delivering personalized experiences and operational excellence and is also brought to you in association with the a Consumer and Retail Group. The a and Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption and takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. And Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit sezzle.com you mm-hmm.